Sometimes I dream of saving the world. Saving everyone from the invisible hand. One that brands us with an employee badge. The one that forces us to work for them. The one that controls us every day without us knowing it. But I can't stop it. The invisible hand is a common metaphor for the power of capitalist markets. The power they wield over workers, governments, indeed everyone under capitalism. It permeates our society, controlling everything from the food we eat and the media we watch, to the way we work and what we can do with the time that's left. Where does this power come from? What is it exactly? And how does it work? One of the most penetrating thinkers to answer these questions was Karl Marx. Many human societies feature personal domination. It's fairly transparent how a baron has power over their serfs or masters over their slaves. The power, the visible hands, that such masters wield over their subjects is clear to see and it's clear how this makes people unfree. You can't direct or control your own life if someone else has such power over you. Capitalism still has a lot of personal domination. The power of bosses over workers, men over women, and cops over people. What's new in capitalism is the impersonal domination wielded by market forces themselves, the invisible hand of the capitalist market. For Marx, capitalism is a matrix of social relations, which is continually produced and reproduced through economic activity. In the process of production, human beings work not only upon nature, but also upon one another. They produce only by working together in a specified manner and reciprocally exchanging their activities. In order to produce, they enter into definite connections and relations to one another. And only within these social connections and relations does their influence upon nature operate, i.e. does production take place. All processes of production have two sides. On the one side, they produce goods and services, computers, factories, bikes, and so on. On the other side, they produce and reproduce the human beings involved and the social relations through which they interact to produce these goods and services. As a result, capitalist processes of production are continually reproducing capitalist social relations and the objects that are their bearers. That is, capitalism is continually producing goods and services as bearers of capitalist social relations. That is, as commodities and capital. This is true for people as well, who are continually reproduced as capitalists who own productive property like land, factories, corporations, and so on, the means of production, and as workers who are excluded from the means of production and therefore forced to work for capitalists to avoid poverty, homelessness, starvation, and so on. According to Marx, Capitalist social relations become a power independent of and wielded over their producers. Thus, to the worker, the object labor produces stands opposed to it as something alien, as a power independent of the producer. It becomes alien to him and begins to confront him as an autonomous power, 
that the life which he has bestowed on the object confronts him as hostile and alien. The object becomes an alien object that has power over him. The more the worker produces, the more he falls under the domination of his product, of capital. The of capital part here is vital. This is not about stuff, it's about power. The products that dominate us aren't the things that are made in themselves, but the social relations they are the bearers of. This too is something that Marx keeps coming back to in his later works. Indeed, we can read all of Marx's later work as an exploration of the laws of motion of capital, of the ways in which it dominates people and how it exercises this domination. Thus, he points out in Volume 1 of Capital how, under free competition, the imminent laws of capitalist production confront the individual capitalist as a coercive force external to him, and about the contrast between the power of landed property based on personal relations of domination and servitude on the one hand, and on the other, the power of money, which is impersonal. For Marx, free markets are less a benevolent invisible hand than a malign iron fist. The power these social relations wield over us make us unfree and thereby restricts our ability to develop and flourish. It hasn't always been this way. These impersonal forces don't exist outside of capitalism's competitive markets, so they don't exist in feudal societies or under different systems of planning. Nor were these relations freely adopted by most people. They were violently forced upon most people by wealthy, powerful, and privileged elites. Historically, this required a lot of violent state action to impose, and an important part of the brutality involved in imperialism and colonialism consisted in forcing capitalism on unwilling people. This is why Marx writes that the history of capitalism is written in the annals of mankind in letters of blood and fire. An important part of this was creating the mass of poor and propertyless workers that is necessary for capitalism to exist, and that many people today simply take as given. This is essential for forcing people to work for capitalists. People are forced to work for capitalists because they have no reasonable alternative to doing so. The poverty, homelessness, and starvation that a working class person suffers if they don't work for a capitalist is not a reasonable alternative, and on some level everybody knows that. That's why welfare states are rigged to make it as miserable as possible to be unemployed and as hard as possible to get the social security you have a right to. They do it because they're scared that if they don't threaten and force people enough, they'll prefer to do something more valuable to themselves and society than serve their capitalist overlords. Sometimes individual capitalists forget this, with some amusing results. Here's an example from Volume 1 of Capital. A Mr. Peel took with him from England to the Swan River district of Western Australia means of subsistence and of production to the amount of £50,000. This Mr. Peel even had the foresight to bring besides 3,000 persons of the working class, men, women and children. Once he arrived at his destination, Mr. Peel was left without a servant to make his bed or fetch him water from the river. Unhappy Mr. Peel, who provided for everything except the export of English relations of production to Swan River. Mr. Peel wanted to set up a capitalist business in Australia and took all the things he thought he needed with him, equipment, workers, etc. 
but he forgot that once they got there, the workers weren't excluded from the means of production anymore. They had access to land and had the real choice to work for themselves, their family and community instead. So they did. But how can you be dominated by a social relation if you have the same legal rights and freedoms as everyone else, and there's no single person who has that power over you? What makes being dependent on the capitalist market any different than just being dependent on society, as all human beings are? Marx is well aware that this is how things often seem under capitalism. One of the most insidious aspects of capitalist domination is that it often appears as individual freedom. Indeed, much of liberal ideology is designed precisely to mask capitalist oppression. Marx writes that, in the developed system of exchange, individuals seem independent, free to collide with one another and to engage in exchange within this freedom. But they appear as such only for someone who abstracts them from the conditions, the conditions of existence within which these individuals enter into contact. These objective dependency relations also appear in such a way that individuals are now ruled by abstractions. The abstraction, or idea, however, is nothing more than the theoretical expression of those material relations which are their lord and master. The impersonal domination of the capitalist market makes us unfree because we are subjected to a power that is external to us and wielded over us. It doesn't matter that this power is not wielded by some single person. It matters that it's a social power that acts like it has a will of its own and that is wielded over people who cannot control it. Having this power wielded over us prevents us from directing our own lives and activity, therefore making us unfree. If free conscious activity constitutes the species character of human beings, this is an important way in which capitalism tears this species life away from us. The examples are everywhere. Workers are forced to act as capitalism demands if they are to keep getting paid, otherwise sinking into poverty, destitution, and the bureaucratic nightmare that is trying to get the welfare they're supposed to have a right to. This is why workers are forced to stay in jobs where they're sexually harassed, why they end up missing holidays and family events because their boss commands them, why they stay in jobs that they feel are complete bullshit and contribute nothing to society, and why people stay in jobs they think are actively harmful, like writing propaganda for corporations destroying the planet. Capitalists are forced to act as capitalism demands and maximize profits at all costs, or lose their capital and be thrown into the working class. If a company or business owner doesn't continuously maximize profits and expand, they'll either get outcompeted or taken over by others. This is why capitalism always has to grow, and why individual capitalists acting rationally often have socially irrational, even disastrous consequences. Have you noticed that even when capitalists do set up factories and so on that pay workers better than average and take care of their needs better, their experiments never last and they return to normal fairly quickly? That's why. It's also why capitalism is inherently undemocratic. It doesn't matter if everyone in society wants higher wages, decent jobs, or global warming to stop so that millions, perhaps billions of people, don't die and most of animal life as we know it doesn't go extinct. So long as such externalities don't affect short-term prices and profit-making, capitalists will do nothing to save us 
for as long as they can, no matter what the cost to life on this planet. This does not mean that these things are inevitable under capitalism. It means that only governments and social movements can force a capitalist economy to do otherwise. And it means that capitalist corporations will fight tooth and claw against them. So far, we've seen how capitalism dominates us and is therefore inherently unfree and undemocratic. To change this, we need a real social force and movement that can fight it, like radical unions. To understand what they are up against, it's not enough to just understand the impersonal power of capital and how it shapes capitalists' actions. We also need to understand its effects on the lives and experiences of workers, the workers who will resist capitalism and fight for a better world. As capitalism grew and expanded, it reshaped relations in the workplace and how we work, one of the most important parts of human life. Where feudal peasants largely organized their own workdays, capitalist workplaces, from factories to offices, developed the discipline of a boot camp or chain gang, where as much as possible is controlled, monitored, and surveilled by bosses. This, in turn, means that workers' freedom in one of the most important parts of their life, their working life, was much reduced. One of the most important aspects of socialism is understanding, resisting, and overcoming this unfreedom. In this episode, we saw how capitalism is a system of impersonal domination. In the next, we'll see how it dominates one of the most important parts of human life, our working life. We will look at Marx's views on domination in the workplace and alienation from labor. Thank you for watching. There is also a playlist that's linked in the description and in a pinned comment below if you want to watch the whole of this series even more conveniently. Please like, share, subscribe for more of our stuff. Click on the notification bell if you want. If you have any questions or comments, please put them in the comments and we'll try to answer them either there or in a Q&A video. Have a good day.